Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. I uh, will uh, miss teaching the uh, older folks that have been in uh, my class with me for uh, a while in the auditorium. I'm sure though Greg and Ted will do uh, a good job. And uh, uh, we've covered a lot of ground uh, in our first 12 weeks in here. I mean everything from uh, the most basic foundation of marriage to uh, how to fight fair and uh, expectations and communication and all those kinds of things. And uh, normally uh, I have this class last uh, 15 weeks. Uh, and so the lesson I'm going to teach today, I technically I normally spend three weeks on it because uh, it is a, a big source of uh, issues in, in a home. But um, uh, I'm only going to spend one week on it this year. Uh, I think most of the questions you guys have turned in, I've either answered directly or indirectly through uh, uh, the lessons. Uh, there was a whole big series of questions turned in uh, about uh, rebuilding trust and forgiveness and those kinds of things. And because there were so many questions on that, I'm actually going to spend uh, one or two Sunday nights on um, forgiveness and rebuilding trust and, and those kinds of things in the coming coming weeks, and then some of the other questions, they were just uh, just random and didn't fit anything in particular that we were covering in here, and if they're a big issue to you, please just see somebody privately about them and, and, and get some kind of a, a good answer. Uh, it's been great to me to have so many people this year. This is the seventh time, uh, seventh summer I've taught this class, uh, in, interested in investing in your marriage. Uh, it's a very simple thing that we don't even think about. But 99% of the people that walk down a wedding aisle love each other and believe their marriage is going to work. And yet uh, we're told that in the neighborhood of 50% of those fail. And so it's pretty obvious it takes more than love and good intentions to have a home that not only stays together but becomes secure and loving and provides all the things that uh, our creator designed the institution of marriage to provide. Uh, I believe with all my heart that any couple, any man and any, any, any woman who does marriage God's way will have a blessed home and, and a blessed relationship. Um, as has been our custom, I'm going to answer just a couple questions before uh, you know uh, we start on our lesson, things that were turned uh, in. You should have that piece of paper, but today, uh, because it's our last class, you won't be able to turn in a question. But I am looking for input. If there are ways you think the class could be handled better or things in the future you'd like to see covered uh, more or more thoroughly, uh, put that uh, down on there, just looking for feedback on the class. Question number one, have you ever suggested divorce to a couple? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> now, I have on several occasions uh, suggested that uh, people temporarily separate. Uh, for the safety of, of somebody involved or to get outside help with the intention of, of working it out. But I, I have never suggested that. Now, there are two biblical reasons where people are, uh, can divorce, and, you know, and the Lord gave people liberty to do that. But understand that with both of those reasons, whether it is fornication or abandonment, uh, God does not command uh, divorce. He allows it. And a lot of cases, you know, quite frankly, especially if there's kids involved, you know, it's way better if both people are interested in doing so to work through uh, rebuilding trust and uh, forgiveness and, and rebuilding a home. Um, 
But I have to honestly say, too, I've been in situations where I listened to what one person was going through, uh, and it wasn't just one side of the story with both people there. And I thought to myself, I don't know how you put up with that. <laughs> but I have never, ever uh, told any, anybody to divorce. Uh, listen, I don't answer to God for you. Uh, I will give account to God for myself, and you will give an account to God for yourself. And uh, if you decide to do that, I'm not the one that has to work through uh, all the complexities of uh, a divided home and uh, remarriage and uh, stepchildren. I- I'm not the one that has to be alone. Uh, I, and, and so it, it might be easy for you to just tell somebody, yeah, get rid of them. Uh, but you know what? I-, I-, I think we need to be a lot tamer when we understand who answers to God and who really lives with the consequences of those kind of choices. Question number two, what do you do if you don't see eye to eye on a situation with my spouse's parent controlling them? Um, The first thing you need to do is you you need to be honest with yourself and make sure you're not looking at the situation with eyes of jealousy. Um, it, It is real easy, especially if your family is not around or... Your family is more difficult to be around for you to want to take the family away from your spouse. And um, so, so the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be honest about what you're feeling and thinking. And after you face it honestly, you know what? If their spouse really is or their parents really are too controlling uh, over them after they're out of the house, you know, uh, just like always, uh, pick one or two uh, clear examples. Make the issue a matter of prayer. Uh, pick a good time. Pick a good tone. Have the conversation. Uh, but remember this, not too many people can see their family accurately. And when you have this conversation, don't expect them to instantly say, oh, yeah, you're right, my mom is a big budinsky. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just not the way people roll. Uh, and so you need to, after you have the conversation, you need to just uh, let it rest and, uh, and, and let it go um, as, as much as you possibly can. Uh, nearly always, um, two people don't come to the same conclusion at the same moment. I mean, think about it. your relationship started like that. Uh, there was a point when one of you loved and decided to spend your life together and the other person wasn't sure yet. You know, you didn't decide the same instant that thing. And so nearly every issue in life, a major issue, you're not going to each come to the same conclusion at the same moment. And so in almost every major issue, somebody's going to have to be patient and let their partner come to see the truth. And the other thing I would say, you know what, make a lot of effort in your own relationship. Uh, when you make the relationship with you better, it makes it easier for them to, you know, leave their father and mother like they're supposed to. Uh, question number three, is it right to judge and treat a family member differently based on their past? Um, the first thing you need to recognize is that pretty much universally in American Christian culture, people don't understand this judging issue at all. And most people believe a lie. Uh, Jesus, did, Jesus did say, judge not that you be not judged. But the last part of that statement uh, adds to that 
because he says, for with what judgment you judge, ye shall also be judged. And it's not a statement that we're not supposed to judge anything. It's a statement that if we're a harsh judge of others, uh, we're going to be harshly judged by others. If we're a gentle and gracious judge to others, we will be judged by others more gentle and graciously. I mean, Jesus gave the command. He said, judge righteous judgment. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians, judge ye what I say. I mean, how are we supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil if we can't judge what is evil? How how are we supposed to cleave to that which is good if we can't judge what is good? You you know, what people say, it's just stupid. Um, We are supposed to judge by looking at what we can see and hear and comparing it to what God has said. We are never supposed to be looking into someone's heart and judging their motive and things like that. Only God can do that. And so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that it depends on what they did. You know, if the root of your question is that uh, they abused a little girl, uh, what I, I would say, I would think you're foolish to let your daughter be alone with them. I mean, why would you do that? Uh, I mean, that's just dumb. Now, if they have sought forgiveness and gotten saved or whatever, yeah, I mean, I think you ought to treat them kindly, but I would still never trust my child alone with them. You know, uh, forgiveness and, and, and consequences are two separate things. And if you don't believe that, just look at the way God forgave everybody and look at the way he forgives you. You know, and uh, again, we, we don't think deeply enough about these things. You know, um, forgive, be kind, but always protect your children and your personhood. You know what? If they want to be alone with, with your child, don't let them. You know, uh, always just somehow you'll be there. Um, you say, well, I don't like that answer. Well, that's my answer should be in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. Um, this was our lesson number one in here, and it is the most basic foundation of uh, biblical marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof instead. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. The most basic principle of marriage, you should remember it from week one, from verse 24, leave and cleave. You must leave your father and mother. You must cleave to your spouse. It's not just leave your parents' home. Uh, and fail to cleave to your spouse. It's not just cleave to your spouse, but fail to leave your parents' home. Uh, We must leave and cleave. Uh, But this is difficult. Uh, Go in your Bible to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read three verses, and I'm going to make a point, and then we'll uh, make some some application uh, of this. Because our our last lesson is is on... uh, Minimizing our conflict with our family. Minimizing conflict with family. (laughs) Uh, One of the four major sources of conflict in every marriage is family. And normally I spend three weeks on that. We didn't have time for that this year. Uh, I just want to lay a foundation then make some practical application. Notice in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 in one of the Ten Commandments. It said, Honor thy father and thy mother. 
that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So now, now there's already starting to be a little complexity in our mind. Wow, I'm supposed to leave my father and mother and I'm supposed to honor them. What, what in the world does that mean? How do I do that? Go up in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We'll read this verse and, and then I want to link these together to... have our last discussion in here. I pray every week that uh, these lessons will be a help to your home. I, I really, I, I want everybody here, I want you to have the kind of security and acceptance and love and stability uh, that our great creator designed into the institution of marriage. And uh, I know a lot of people don't get that. Um, but it's always because they refuse to handle their situation God's way. First Timothy chapter 5, uh, verse 1 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, and the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Did you notice there the high value that God puts in the brother-sister relationship? In fact, he uses that as an example of a way to treat each other in the church. Now, I'm sure he's not talking about the way brothers and sisters get along when they're still at home. Uh, I had three sisters, and, well, let's just say we had some turmoil. Uh, but, you know, I've been away from home now. I live 200 miles away from home now for 35 years. And to this day, even though I'm not the kind of person that ever calls my sister to talk to them, uh, whenever I see them, we have a special relationship, and there's something special just in my soul because they're my sister. Uh, you would meet them and you'd say, I can't understand that. But to me, uh, they're special. Here's the thing. When we, when, we, when we think about this, when God has told us as husbands and wives to leave our father and mother and to cleave to our spouse, and he's told us to honor our father and mother all of our life, and he's made special these relationships with brother and, and sister when we begin to put real skin on this stuff it's really complicated the fact of the matter is is some moms and dads you know what uh they're not even saved and some mom and dad some moms and dads quite frankly we may love them but you know what they just live ungodly lives and they're a bad influence on us, and they're a bad influence on our children. Now, I know some are not, and some are great. But, you know, when we think about this issue, that complicates it. Um, when we think about the fact that some of our parents and brothers and sisters, they're saved, but you know what? They're just a bad influence. They claim to be saved. They don't live for Christ. They claim to be saved. They have terrible language. They have terrible habits. They have terrible morals. And whether they're saved or not, it's not for you and I to judge. Only God knows the truth of that. But we know this. You know what? Uh, if they are saved, they're a bad influence. And we have this angst that's going on between how do we balance all this stuff? When we think about it practically, I mean, everybody turns in questions. How much time is too much time with my in-laws? You know, how, what if I, how do I know if I've left and cleaving to my spouse? And you know what, practically speaking, you know, these are difficult things. 
And you can see why, especially after children come into your life, how difficult it is to balance these things. And you can see how easily family becomes a source of real conflict in our homes. And then you add to that the fact that nearly always people have a tough time seeing their own family in clear light. You know, what seems to be so clear to you about their sister or about their parent, it just seems to you that they can't see it at all. That's not because they're bad. That's because it's just they're people. And and so, again, the, the stage is set for all of this conflict in, in our home when we think about the real complexities of life, uh, prioritizing our, our spouse over every other relationship, prioritizing our children above every relationship other than our spouse, uh, prioritizing our parents. Uh, and then you add to that, though the Bible says nothing really about them, cousins, aunts, uncles, second cousins, great aunts, and cousins once removed, whatever that is. You, you know, you add that to that, and, and you got a situation where, wow, this is just a problem waiting to happen. And so I want to just make some suggestions about um, how to minimize conflict because there's so much potential. Here, here's the first suggestion. Divide your holiday time equally with both sets of in-laws whenever possible. Uh, holidays are a big source of conflict. Now, some of you can't relate to this, but others really can. I mean, there are some people who are like Hallmark uh, Christmas moms or Hallmark Thanksgiving moms, and it is like the day around which everything is supposed to revolve. And it's even worse, some of you, each of you have a mom like that. And so now you've got you know, two sides of your family just like converging, demanding this time on Thanksgiving and this time on Christmas. And if you don't have that, you ought to thank God. Uh, the first way to begin to settle this is divide your holiday time equally. Uh, by the way, I rebel against this whole idea that the only person's family that matters is the wife's family. And that's not just because I'm a guy and have three boys. That's because uh, the scriptures teach that husbands and wife are both supposed to leave and cleave. Now, uh, I get it uh, that sometimes um, part of the family is easier to be around than others. I get it. Sometimes part of the family is close by and, and some is remote. All I'm just saying to you is the beginning of settling this is you need to divide your holiday time equally as much as possible. You know what? If you need to switch off from year to year to uh, there's probably people in this room and you hate it when Christmas rolls around because you know you've got to be eight places. And uh, you just hate it. You know what? You, you, you need to just decide that to protect your family unit you need to do something different. Uh, maybe you need to switch off every year, but I'm just going to say you need to grow some intestines, some good old-fashioned guts. You really do, and protect your family unit. How about this? Uh, when you think about holidays, make sure you establish some of your own holiday and family traditions. Now, if you're newlywed and don't have any kids yet, it doesn't matter that much, but I do think you still ought to have begin to establish your own family unit. But, but once you have kids, you, you know what? Uh, 
you need to have something. Your home needs to become special. If the only home that's special in the minds of your children is a grandparent's home, you've missed something. When you get married, your home and your family become most important to you. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to just draw a corral around your yard and you don't do anything with anybody. Uh, I'm just saying you need to have some of your own family traditions and you need to divide up your time uh, reasonably equal. Can I ask an honest event, an honest question? Why do you always have to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day? Why, 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 do you, why can't you do Thanksgiving at a different day sometimes? You know, honestly, this is my wife and I have lived this. We both, neither one of our families are in town. Uh, both of our families are hers is in Toledo. Mine's in Michigan, just, just over the border. Uh, we have lived this. And, and for our entire life, we have, for the most part, between different issues at church with the demanding schedule there and a family that's out of town, we have, for the most part, done uh, Christmas on a different day. You know what? Growing up, our kids never minded having Christmas a little early. Never. But see, some of this conflict is because uh, we uh, have not thought outside the box. Uh, Cut out extended family time before you cut out your own family. (laughs) Here's number two. Divide the time your children spend with their grandparents equally whenever possible. And I get it. Sometimes distance makes this uh, impossible. I also get it that sometimes the behavior of some of the people uh, involved uh, make this awkward. Uh, And I get it. Uh, If you have a a parent who's who's an addict or a predator or something like that, I mean, there are some things that can modify your thought on this. But as much as possible, divide their time. Um, again, because all of our families out of town, when we would go up there, uh, we would spend, and this was a real hassle to us. We would spend one night at my parents' house, one night at her parents' house. Uh, before we went, we would have a schedule. We'll be at this house until two, uh, and we'll be at that house till noon. And we just divided up the hours evenly. And you know what that made everybody mad? No one wanted equality. Everybody wanted advantage. And, um, but you know what? We could put our head in our pillow and know that we treated our, our, our parents respectfully and honorably. And you know what? It meant a lot to us when our boys are grown and they drive up there. It means a lot that they go to both of their grandparents' house. Uh, by the way, my wife's family is not saved. That they don't handle themselves socially like we believe somebody should handle themselves. They're great people. We love them. We enjoy being around them. But they, their behavior is not like ours. But God chose them in our life. And I don't believe it's right to just cut them out. Uh, be there if you have family members you don't trust regardless of what they say to you. <laughs> You know, you don't have to tell them why you do everything you do. Or if you're doing what you're doing and you have four reasons for doing it, you don't have to tell them the most unpalatable one. By the way, uh, we're going over here, and you know what? I can't stand you. (laughs) You know, you, you can leave off reason two. 
in, uh, <laughs> in fact, I actually believe oftentimes it's a mistake to tell them why. Don't expect them to understand. Now, I have this statement highlighted in my notes. Most untrustworthy people want to be trusted without doing the things they should to rebuild trust. That, that's the nature of being untrustworthy. And again, I'll say this again, just I would never leave my children alone with some parent or grandparent that was abusive in the past. I just wouldn't do it. Now, if you're going to do it, that's your business. I would not do that. I'm not talking about not forgiving them. I'm not talking about being unkind to them. I'm not talking about cutting them out of their life. They would get my kindness. They would get my time. But they would not get my trust with my children without me there. Uh, here's number three, minimizing conflict with our family. You control how much time you spend together with your parents and siblings if they're too demanding. Now, with most families, this is not an issue. Uh, most families are mature and handle themselves better. But you know what? Uh, sometimes there is a problem. And here's what happens. Some parents... They revolve their children, uh, their lives around their children to such a degree that when their children grow up, they didn't have any ministry, they didn't have any friends, they didn't have any relationship with each other. And so when the children were gone, uh, they didn't have anything to do but drop by your house. And they're struggling with this whole issue of leaving father and mother and cleaving to your spouse. You control how much time you spend with your parents and siblings. Um, you know, be patient with them. Just like you're going through a process of uh, becoming an independent, functional adult, they're going through a process of allowing you to become an independent, functional adult. Just be patient. And I say this, you know what? There are some parents, they are wonderful people. They don't want control in your home. They don't want access to private information. They're not like that at all. If you've got that, thank God for that. And uh, But then there's others. You know, l- listen, there's a reason there's lots of mother-in-law jokes. You know, you realize in order for things to be funny, one of two things has to be true. It either has to be completely false or there has to be a grain of truth. And if one of those two things doesn't exist, there, there, there's no humor. There's a reason there's so many mother-in-law jokes uh, because it's really tough for moms to move on and to have a different set of circumstances. Now, by the way, thank God there's some great, wonderful, godly moms who do that and do well at it, but, but understand that it's not an easy thing. Now, if you, and you've heard me say this lots of times, if you're going to be a productive human being and a faithful Christian, you're going to live a busy life. It is busy to be a productive human being. It is busy to be a faithful Christian. And by the way, most people want that. So so it means you have to embrace being a busy person. But what that means is that you probably have less time on your hands than your parents when your parents didn't get new hobbies, didn't have any other friends, or didn't do extra ministry. And so you need to control drop-ins. You know, it gets to be like that uh, Who Loves Raymond show. You know, where everybody just rolls over next door and, and is in everybody's business. And, you know, you might like that, but um, most people don't. And by the way, 
it violates that Bible principle, leave and cleave. You say, what should I do if, if I've got that situation? That gets us to number four. Handle your own family if there are problems. N- never make your spouse the bad guy. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be like this. M- maybe in an ideal world, if everyone was a mature follower of Jesus, we would accept the truth equally no matter whose mouth it came from. But the fact of the matter is, is very few people are mature Christians. And there's a fair amount of people over 18 who are not even mature adults. And so if we have something difficult that needs to be said, it should be handled by the person whose family it is. Now, there's probably people all over this room right now, you're cringing. Because you have the kind of personality, uh, my wife has this kind of personality, uh, don't confront them. You know, uh, just let it go. And I, I'm probably a little more on the other side of the spectrum, though not probably as much as you might think that I am. Um, but even if that's your natural disposition, and even if you know that you love your mother, but really deep down she's just a bear cat, uh, you know what, you, you, need, you, you need to do this. Don't throw your spouse under the bus. This is your job to handle your family. All right, and, and if you're the person whose job it isn't, be patient. <laughs> be an adult. Have a difficult conversation. Uh, you know what? If I'm going to have people mad at me, I would much rather that they be angry at me over the truth than what they think happened. And see, if you don't ever have any honest conversations with people over what's going on, everybody's mind and imagination is going crazy, and people are upset a lot of times about things that aren't even accurate. Have the conversation, which gets us to number five. We're just talking about minimizing conflict with, with, with family. Uh, number five, be careful about the money you take from your parents. Now, I get it. You know, when you're, when you're young, you don't have anything. Or, um, at least most people don't. And uh, your parents have been accumulating stuff in most cases for, you know, 25 or 30 years longer than you, you've been accumulating stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying don't ever take a free dinner or let your parents buy you things occasionally. Listen, there are some parents, they can buy you a dinner occasionally, buy you stuff. There's no strings attached. And then there's other people who feel like with that dinner or that gift, they're purchasing information. Uh, And they're purchasing control. And understand that if you're in one of those situations, you need to watch taking things from them, no matter how much you want them. By the way, we all like free stuff. All of us. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't take help from your parents if you have some event that really sets you back. You know what, sometimes, you know, they're just financial things early on in marriage and in life, uh, you know what, and they just really set us back. And sometimes parents are able to financially help. Uh, I'm not saying don't take any help, uh, especially if your parents are the kind of people who can do help you with no strings attached. But you and I all know good and well that there are some parents who feel like they're buying inside information and extra control with that help. If they're like that, don't take it. I'm not saying you should never let your parents pay to take you on vacation. 
You know, there are some parents, and you could go on vacation together and function as completely separate couples and them not want anything in exchange for taking you. L- listen, if you're a parent here, you, you know what I'm saying is true. I don't care how old your children are. You like being with them. You just do. And that doesn't change because they grow up. It's just that mature people and mature followers of Jesus, they balance that with the fact that, you know what, I want the homes of my children to be independent homes. I want their family to be an independent family. I want them to have the same freedom that I wanted when I was their age. I want them to have the same independence that I wanted when I was their age. I wanted them to have the same freedom to control their life that I wanted when their age. And that makes a big difference. Be careful taking money from parents who always have strings attached. And by the way, let me just add this. If you are a young lady and you came from a family with a wealthier background and your husband uh, does not have the same kind of income potential that your dad had, remember, we talked about this when we talked about managing our money as a couple. Not everyone has the same gifts from God for income potential. If you're a young lady whose dad and family had a lot of income potential and your husband doesn't, you better be careful how you handle yourself. Uh, We've talked about this in this class too. Most men's egos are very fragile, especially when they're young. Men are weak. I can say that. I are one. We're weak. We need more encouragement. We can take less. I mean, we're just weak. And I'm just going to tell you, if you cause your husband to feel like he is not doing his best to take care of you and it's inadequate, you will hurt him in a way that can really hurt your marriage. By the way, if you're wealthy, one of the things you'd be wise to do if you have daughters is not let them live so much on your income because chances are, if you're some uh, a big money earner, your daughter is not going to early on in her life be like that. And you better have her prepared for that. But this is not parenting class. This is marriage class. The Lord tarries will do parenting class next summer. Uh, which gets us to... Uh, by, by the way, before we move on, thank God for godly parents. Uh, and, and even parents who are not saved but just want their children to have a loving, independent relationship with their spouse. You know, who just are involved with no strings attached. They're not angry when you don't do this and don't do that. They're just mature people and mature Christians. Thank God for them. And if you have that, you ought to thank God for that. Because not everybody has that. Which gets us to number six. Your spouse can see things about your family uh, that are difficult for you to see yourself. Um. Now, I would always recommend caution criticizing your spouse's family. Uh, You are far better to be more quiet about it and let them come to the conclusion that you came to a long time ago. She's trouble! (laughs) Uh, But it it is a natural thing to struggle to be able to see our our, our own family in, in, in a clear light. And, and so, and, and by the way, uh, I don't care who you pick. The best person you pick is still just a person. 
Uh, what's the Psalms say? Uh, uh, man at his best state is altogether vanity. And, and so whoever the best person is, best parent is, you know what? They've still got human flaws and human weaknesses, and, and you'd be wiser to not focus on those anyway. But uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, let your spouse come to the conclusions about the, their own family. But if they're really not seeing it, listen to your spouse. They can see things that you struggle to see. Now, if you've got a spouse who's a nitpicker, I mean a gnat swatter, I mean they just find fault with everything, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your spouse is more the kind of person who is a level-headed person. They're not a gnat swatter. They don't say that many negative things about everybody. You know, if they give you honest input about your family, your family is doing this to you and you can't see it, you'd be wise to listen to that. Because we're so wired. And, and, and by the way, God made us with this link inside of us. Um it's why somebody, they could have a parent who was just completely uninvolved and a terrible parent from an, uh, you know, any kind of reasonable evaluation, and yet they still have this desire for them. We're designed that way. I mean, God made us this way because home and family is supposed to be special. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, sometimes it's the only thing that keeps you from killing one of your kids. But on the other hand, it also is the kind of thing that helps us, uh, that makes us not see clearly sometimes. So listen to the input from your spouse on that issue, even if you don't really want to. And um, we're going to stop there. I have uh, two minutes left, and you should have a piece of paper. I've enjoyed teaching the class. I've enjoyed having you in here. I would have loved to have spent three weeks and covered a lot more subjects on our last one because it is a real source of problems. Um, put something on that paper, uh, fold it in half, just set it up here on the step. It's been great to have you in class. Next week, um, the new class in the auditorium with Ted and Greg will begin in two weeks. Uh, I'm going to start that new young couples class. It'll be in the end room of the gym just past the pop machine. And uh, I hope that if you fit into that category and you don't currently have an adult Bible class, I hope you'll come be a part of that class. I'm excited about it. Uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.